it's what style of music you're going to create and you're not going to get every audience because not everybody's going to like your style of singing and that's okay but the fear aspect of it i have a very simple way of giving giving peace to me my peace of mind comes i am only competing with you in one area the only area that i will compare is percentage of growth percentage of growth mm. percentage of growth i want to out improve that's what i want to do out improve is what gives me the peace of mind and that that i can't control because i want to improve i want to get better the area where you can have anxiety at night and you have the right to be afraid at night is when you're long you're no longer improving the moment you are no longer improving yes you should be afraid Yes, you should have anxiety. Yes, you should have panic because you're not improving, which means you're just going to work backwards. But if you're constantly figuring out ways to make yourself better, make your product better, make your company better, make yourself as a human being better, make your parent as a parent better, as a husband better, as a wife better, as a salesperson better, as a CEO better, you're eventually going to be at the top competing with everybody else. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 152 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today, I'm absolutely honored and thrilled to be interviewing Patrick Bet David. Patrick is one of my role models. I religiously watch his videos on YouTube, which now has over 1 million subscribers and over a billion minutes watched. Patrick went from living in a refugee camp in Germany and collecting cans and beer bottles at the age of 12 to earn pennies to growing a wildly successful insurance agency with almost 10,000 agents across 48 states. On his show, Valuetainment, he has interviewed major icons from billionaire founders Mark Cuban and Steve Wozniak to mafia bosses and sports heroes like Magic Johnson. In our interview, Patrick revealed how hiring the right people is like dating, how to avoid distractions and shiny objects, how to outsource tasks and maintain full control, how he landed guests like Mark Cuban and Magic Johnson, how he grew his YouTube channel to over a million subscribers, how to deal with self-doubt and a scarcity mindset, how one blog post got national media attention, and how to become irreplaceable and much much more this was so much fun this was absolutely jam packed with practical advice that you'll be able to take away and i i'm seriously like totally blown away by by this interview it's probably one of the best that i've done to date so without further ado here's patrick bet david patrick welcome to the show it's good to be on with you Dude, this is so weird because like I, I said to you this before, but I'm literally like watching you every single day religiously. It's like I pray every morning. Uh, I'm Orthodox Jewish here in Israel. And, uh, you know, I have my like, you know, uh, my religious prayer. And then I also have breakfast and I'm watching you literally every single day religiously uh, consuming your content like uh, like it's like water in the desert. It's incredible. The stuff you're putting out is amazing, really. Love it. Uh, to hear. Yeah. yeah. So I really want to um, 
selfishly ask questions that I personally wanted to, want to ask you. It's like I've got an audience that I have to think about, but I also want to think about myself. The f first thing I want to do is really for those that haven't heard of you yet, uh, first of all, I don't know what rock you're sitting under, uh, but come out of it, go on YouTube and type in Patrick Bet David. I promise you, you're going to become addicted to his stuff. Um, give us a little bit of background for those that don't know you yet. I know that at, uh, what, 12 years old, you were collecting cans to earn a living. Today, you've got a, a hugely successful um, insurance agency with 8,000 agents. Is that right? Yeah. So again, born and raised in Iran, lived there 10 years, uh, escaped six weeks after Khomeini died, went to Germany, lived at a refugee camp there for a couple of years and uh, got my first stint into entrepreneurship in Germany, uh, a local uh, swimming pool uh, I used to go to had beer bottles all over the place. Mm -hmm. And at the refugee camp I lived in, a girl named Katarina who was drafted gorgeous. Mm -hmm. I was a fan of, and her brother was a fan of Super Nintendo. And so I said, I got to figure this thing out. You know, we couldn't afford Super Nintendo. He wanted to play the video game. I wanted to play with his sister. <laughs> so I went to the local swimming pool owner. I said, look, what are you going to give me if every time I bring back a beer bottle? Mm. And he said, you bring back and clean this place up, I'll give you five cents per. Five fennec. Fennec in German is, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're pennies. Yeah. So I had no problem. I went and collected 5,000 beer bottles that summer. I went to uh, Kaufauf, which was their store in Germany, bought the Super Nintendo, brought it back. Mm -hmm. I uh, had the entire community play the video game, and I distracted everybody, and I went and played with his sister. Oh and so God. that's how I got into business. Anyways, came to the States, um, and I did a lot of different things here to make money as a kid in high school, and then went to the Army after the Army, went into financial services, mm -hmm. and that's a brief nutshell of uh, my career. It's interesting because you're a really interesting guy. you got tons of energy. Why finances? It sounds like a boring thing to get into. I've always been a math guy. I love math. There's something right. very attractive to me about math and numbers because while people lie, numbers don't lie. So if you want to deal in an area where you know someone's going to tell you the truth, you got to deal with numbers. Mm -hmm. Do you think everyone you know, getting into business should, should know numbers or is it okay to just outsource that part? I think you do need to know the basics. I don't think you need to know calculus, pre-calculus, math analysis. But I okay. do think everybody needs to know the basics about uh, numbers. I think it'll give you an edge uh, uh, if you do know it, a big edge. And then at the same time, you're uh, trying to scale. So when you're scaling, yeah. uh, math helps you know what the next things you need to do to grow your business. By the way, I'm going to ask you something you've probably been asked before. Uh, Patrick Bet David. Sounds like a very Jewish name. Bet David. Uh, Jewish origins. No, Assyrian. So uh, Ben David would be yeah. more Jewish than Bet David would be. Right. Bet David in Assyrian means, Bet means house, Ben means son, right? Ben yes, in Jewish that's means right. son. Yeah. Bet in Assyrian means house. So in Assyrian, we say Beta. So Bet David means the house of David versus the son of David. Yeah, interesting. Really interesting. Okay, so getting back to, so you, you left the army and you started the fi this financial services uh, business. Um, you know, a lot of people want to know, how do you grow? How do you start? You, you're a one-man band. Okay, how do you get the first hire? Because there's this catch-22, there's this fear of hiring someone full-time because you don't know if you're going to be able to pay their wage as well as your wage, right? How do you do that? What's, what's the best advice you give to people at that stage of the business? 
Um, you mean your first employee when you're hiring your first employee? Yeah, yeah, the first employee. Uh, so you got this. The, the basic way I look at it yeah. is if you're everybody in the market is going to determine what your value is. You're going to have a market value immediately. So uh, the market's going to say you're worth 50 bucks an hour, 100 bucks an hour, 200 bucks an hour, whatever the number is. Mm-hmm. The way I look at hiring is a couple different ways. One is anything I'm doing that is costing me money to do the $200 an hour work, I'm hiring that person first. For example, if I'm doing a lot of $10 an hour job, $15 an hour job, and that is taking up 20 hours of my week, I'm hiring that $10, $15, $20 an hour job person to take all of those nonsense stuff that somebody else can do away from me. Mm-hmm. So once I've done that, then if I'm trying to go into increasing my value to the three, four, five hundred dollar an hour job, I got to now figure out a way to scale. So then I'm looking at sales, uh, dollars, marketing. Uh, I look at that part next. But number one person to hire is whoever can help uh, minimize the ten, fifteen, twenty dollar an hour job that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And how do you know the right the, the right person to hire? Because I, I mean, I'm talking from my own personal experience. My goodness me, I've had some really bad, bad hires, uh, and they've they've messed up a, a lot of like you know, taken six months away from the business, money down the drain. You know, how do you avoid yeah. doing that? And so I'm going to tell you something here. You may not not want to like to hear, but I'm going to yeah. give it to you anyways. Here's uh-huh. here's how. Look, uh, I've dated a lot of women that I said. <laughs> wasted my time. I did a lot of, a lot of girlfriends. Right. And it's very easy to blame the women I dated, mm-hmm. which in reality, the blame is on me because I had no clue what the hell I wanted. Not <laughs> right. the other way. So same as hiring people. A lot of times people think, you know, I've wasted so much time hiring people and, you know, it seems like I can't find anybody. No, it's not the employee's fault. It's not the person you're hiring's fault. It's you don't really know what you're looking for. And so sometimes you got to sit down and ask yourself the following questions. Number one, what are your three non-negotiables? What do I mean by non-negotiables? Like, for instance, what are three things that you are not willing to negotiate hiring somebody, no matter how good somebody is? What are they? And I'm asking you. Mm-hmm. So if I was to ask you right now, what would you say are your non-negotiables? Well, it's going to be someone I trust. Okay. Right. So that's what so meaning you are not willing to negotiate my integrity. Correct. Right. Okay, what's another one? Give me a couple other ones. Um, well, I, I want someone who's going to be 100% focused on the business, like, you know, not part-time, doing something else. I want them fully dedicated to, to, to what we do. Um, and also culture. Like my company is very much it has a specific uh, culture where we're very um, fun um, when we interact with any of our clients or when we interact with hosts. Um, it's got to be with a playful attitude. It's we don't have this kind of formal corporate type of style. There you have it. Now the the other employees that you hired that worked with you for six months and didn't work, did they meet any of those three non-negotiables? Uh, one of them ripped me off and took some of my clients with him, so definitely integrity wasn't there. Uh, right. Another another one was doing something on the side and and you know wasn't really focused. Um, and and then the other one was the problem with him was actually he was uh, he was always wanting to build systems 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 and processes but he wasn't actually getting the job done you know what I mean like how many systems can you build already let's let, let's get the work done right um, so that was the other issue that we found 
So there you go. So now here's a question you got to ask. When you hire your employees, yep. how often do you explain those three non-negotiables to them? Mm-hmm. Right. So then yep. that's the question. So then the question becomes, are you doing that? Because if you're not, then it's on you. Because if you say it to somebody, and let's just say you say it to me, and I'm going to be like, uh, what is he talking about fun, man? I mean, you got to get work. I'm not, I'm not a fun guy. This is right. not for me. This guy sounds too loose and too hippy type of a guy. I just don't think this is a fit. Right. Well, guess what? You don't have a problem with that because now at least they know. Right. Okay, now at least they know. I think there's too much uh, acting going on on the outside. Like right now, I just sat down with a guy. Perfect mm-hmm. example. He came in here. He is a CMO. Okay. And we are looking for a CMO right now. And I sat down and I spoke to him and uh, he says uh, how he structures his business, how he structures his relationships. I can either hire full time the way he works is this. And he said to me, I said, so what's your rate to be able to do this as a consultant? He says, as a consultant, you, you know, I don't do by hour because I work very fast. You pay me $25,000. I'll be able to get this done in three, three months. I said, really? He said, yes. I said, okay, so I want to give you an option here before I say no. This literally happened 30 minutes before me jump on on your podcast with you. Mm-hmm. I said, I want to give you two options, and you tell me if you're okay with this. He said, what? I said, one option is the one you just presented to me right now. He said, yes. I said, I'm not comfortable with that because I work with four different law, law firms. I have a law firm for sales, my sales side. I have a law firm that I do specific to the insurance industry. I have a law firm for entertainment. And I have a law firm for the structure of my company if we go public, you know, the stocks, all that other stuff. I said, each did serves a different purpose. But the question I want to ask you is, if I was to come back to you and I say, I only want to work hourly, meaning I hire you for six hours, you're 150, I pay you $900 for that day, okay? But I'm not going to give you 25 grand up front. However, if I go that route, I'll be using you for the next two years versus only using you for three months. Which do you prefer? Hmm. Then he backtracked. Then he went back and he said, you know what? I'll make that arrangement if you want to just use me for an hour. I said, now here's the next part. He says, but sometimes I do work from home. I said, great. Let me give you the other part. If you are unfair with me, I will read through the BS. If you do that, I will file you ASAP. Are you okay with that? And he says, no, I'm going to be very fair. I said, just so you know, I've dealt with a lot of attorneys. I know which attorneys BS me. And they have somebody else do $20 an hour work as an assistant, and they're, they're mm-hmm. charging me. You yeah. will lose integrity with me. Are you comfortable losing that? No, no, no. I'm not going to take advantage of this relationship. Then right. why don't you go back and send me another offer, and then I'll let you know if I use you. But what I did there that I didn't do before as an amateur entrepreneur CEO is I didn't manage expectations up front. Mm. And I am managing expectations up front, which allows me to get the kind of a person I want and I end up controlling the point of contact, not them. So mm-hmm. either it's not going to work up front, or if it is, I'm managing expectations. So I think that's one of the things when you're talking about hiring people is ask more questions of yourself before you start hiring people. Mm-hmm. What about like outsourcing? Because um, we talked about before delegating, outsourcing tasks. How do you outsource everything and still maintain full control over what's going on? Because another thing that I noticed, again, in my experience, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have had this, where <clears throat> you know we start outsourcing, we start making some money, we start delegating the tasks, and then we kind of let go because it's, you know, now now it's cool. Like people are taking care of stuff that I don't need to take care of. And you kind of, you put your feet up a little bit, right? You take your finger off the pulse and suddenly the balls start dropping, the cracks start forming. 
and you've got to backtrack and then you've got to clean up, right? How do you essentially outsource and still maintain full control over your business? It depends. It varies on what, what part of the uh, a process is being outsourced. For instance, mm-hmm. I like to control money internally. I don't ever outsource money. Never. Like, I don't like to outsource accounting. I don't like to, uh, 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 let me explain what I mean by accounting. When I mean yep. accounting, I'm not talking about taxes accounting. I don't mind outsourcing taxes. But uh, the, the hundreds of millions of dollars of commissions that we pay is all internal, okay? We don't mm-hmm. do that externally. I've always controlled it from day one. I'll give you another part here. Yeah. Uh, if it comes down to uh, me doing payroll, I do payroll internally. I don't do it externally. I've always used it internally because, again, I want to control money. Matter of fact, when I banked with Chase, okay, I used to bank with Wamo, mm-hmm. and Wamo was bought out by Chase for $1.9 billion. When I banked with Wamo and then Chase, and I started my company, I hired the woman who set up the checking account of my new business. I hired her. This is why I hired her. You, you mean you headhunted her? Yes, and she was the person that had been with Chase for five years. Mm. I hired her and I brought her on board as my director of finance because I knew I was going to stay with Chase. Her sister worked with Wells. She knew how Wells worked. She knew how Chase worked. So everything I ever needed from Chase, she did for me because she knew Chase's system and she now worked for me. So I had a benefit there because I knew exactly what things Chase would do to take advantage of me. Now they couldn't do it because she knew all their ins and outs. Okay, so that's the one thing I did. So money, I don't outsource money. I have to control money, but that's a personal preference uh, because I know uh, what we're doing with the business side. When it comes down to IT, I don't mind outsourcing IT. I'm going to get ripped off on IT. IT people, you know, that's how they make their money. They're not going right. to, uh, they, they make a lot of money by just telling you how many hours it's going to take and it's a bunch of bullshit. They just make <laughs> it up. Right. And uh, you know that you're just hoping you get three bids and you, I, I follow the rule of three bids. Everything I do, nobody in my company can come to me and tell me that we're about to charge uh, or invest into this technology and you don't have three offers. If you come to me with only one offer, I'm going to, I'm going to snap. Because it's a cultural thing. We ask three offers. You have to come to me with three offers, not one offer. Mm-hmm. So if you come to me and say, Pat, here's what I got. This is typically what a meeting will look like for me. Okay, Pat, here's what I got. Here's what we're looking at. This new thing that we want to invest in is going to cost about $100,000. And before you say anything, we have three offers. One is from ABC company. One is from XYZ company. One is from G company. Let me tell you the pros and cons of every company. Da, 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 da. This is the one I'm leaning towards as my first option. This is second. This one I'm not a fan of because of the following three reasons. And I know this costs a little bit more, but I think I like this because of this. What are your thoughts? Then I ask questions, but they're coming to me already educated and saving me a lot of time. So when it comes down to IT, I don't mind outsourcing. When it comes down to customer service, I like it to be internal. I don't like outsourcing. I don't like calling AT&T and somebody from India answers the phone. I I am offended myself. Uh, If I'm calling a business that's a North America business, I want somebody from here to answer the business. Uh, I don't want Philippines. I don't want India, but that's just me. And so I have that uh, uh, that I like to have for my method of customer service with me having a different edge. So when you're answering, asking a question from me, it all depends on what they're doing. If it's something that is uh, uh, I'm okay with being outsourced and I'm willing to give up control on that, I'll do it. If not, I won't. But it is a personal preference that you have to answer. Got it. 
How do you deal with uh, distractions and shiny object syndrome? So, you know, a lot of times what happens is we start seeing a little bit of success and then we see another opportunity that comes along. And sometimes the opportunity looks like a bigger opportunity than what we've got in our hand, right? And I've had this a lot of times where, you know, there's an upsell service or we can do, we can offer this product as well on the side. And then I get distracted and six months later, I'm like kicking myself in the, in the backside because I'm like, man, I should have focused on my core business because now, you know, that didn't work out as well as I thought it would. And the business suffered overall. Yeah, it's not easy. And I mean, listen, that's going to be uh, uh, tougher as you get bigger and make more money and you become more successful. You're going to have yeah. even more distractions. I'll give you perfect examples. So distractions are not just opportunities. Distractions are women. Distractions are bad right. habits. Distractions are vice. Distractions are uh, more entertainment. Distractions are a new cool friend you met at a country club that is introducing you to a new cool thing that rich people do. And, oh, my gosh, now that I'm making money, I may be having to do this. Distractions are multi-faceted, multi-dimensional type of distractions. But let's emphasize on the specific distraction you are talking about, which is, you know, opportunities and different things that may come uh, your side. Look, I may be in the most boring industry in the world. Think about it. Mm -hmm. Let me say this all the time. I sell life insurance for a living, okay? Anybody that's listening to this, I guarantee you your product is not more boring than mine. Matter <laughs> of fact, let me go even deeper. When people contact me and they follow my content, they'll say things like, Pat, a guy like you would make billions if you were yeah. in Silicon Valley. A guy like you would make billions if you were in San, you know, if you were in, you know, Palo Alto or if you were in Amazon, Seattle, in that area. Why are you in insurance? Let me give you a perfect example why I chose this, in, chose this industry. Yeah. See, for me, when you go to a nightclub, okay, are you single or you're married? You said you have five kids. So I'm I assuming have five you're kids. I'm, I'm married 12 years, yeah. Okay. So let's just, let's just say you're single and you go to a nightclub and Israel is known for having beautiful women. But let's just say you go to a nightclub, and Israel has great music, great nightlife. Everyone knows it. It's a reputation around the world. Uh, if you can go to Israel and party, you're going you're gonna to find some beautiful people there. But say right. you go to a nightclub, okay? Whenever you go to any nightclub, any nightclub you go to typically has a girl at that nightclub that is the hottest girl in that nightclub. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter where you go. Everybody spots her. Everyone knows who she is. It's the girl in the green dress or the red dress or the jeans and the red top, whatever it is. But she's a dime. She's a 10. She's drop dead. Okay? <laughs> so watch what happens. Say you go to a nightclub. There's 500 people there. And the numbers are 200 women, 300 men. Let's say it's decent ratios, 200 to 300 men. Out of the 200 women, the hottest one is 1 in 200. Okay? 300 men are all looking at who? the one at the top hmm. in the mind they're fantasizing saying things like this to themselves oh my gosh she just looked at me what if she likes me what if i get her oh my gosh she's so hot i think she likes me i just bumped into her she smiled back is that a smile like talk to me what if i go buy her a beer all these thoughts that men uh, tell themselves with right okay hmm. for me i go to a nightclub i saw the girl all the way at the top i knew there was only one way i can get to her so the way I looked at it is I said, okay, everyone, the 300 men are all looking at the one. I'm going to look at the eight, the seven that's not getting the attention. 
hoping the seven or the eight is friends with number one. I'm in an industry today that no one's paying attention to. So I got in the industry and I said, great, nobody my age, no millennial, no Gen X, no one is looking at the saying, oh my gosh, I want to grow up and do insurance. So I got in. The average agent in my industry was a 59-year-old white male. The Mm -hmm. average agent in the company I run now with 9,900 insurance agents, it's an updated number from the one you said read from the site. We have 9,900 insurance agents in 49 states in America. Uh, We are a 34-year-old Hispanic female. The average agent is a 34-year-old Hispanic female, and my number one earner is a woman, which is unheard of. Yes. We're going to have our annual commission here next five months in Las Vegas. We have already sold 10,300 tickets at $200 price point for annual convention. We're sold out. I can't sell any more tickets, and it's going to be at the Mirage. What's the point I'm making to you here? Here's the point I'm making to you. I went in in an industry while everybody else was telling me, Pat, you know, what if you sell real estate on the side? What if you sell mortgage on the side? What if you sell PNC on the side? What if you sell auto insurance on the side? What if you sell this on the side? You should do this. You should do this. You should do that. You should do this. And everybody was buying into this holistic idea, which is, you know, one-stop shop. We do everything, and we sell this, and we sell that. And I sat there, and I said, you guys go out there and distract yourself all you want. I'm not falling up with that trap. Here's why. Because with all the conversations today and all the fears today of what direction the marketplace is going to, what are we going to do with AI? Oh, my gosh. What's going to happen if this takes place? What's going to happen if that takes place? One has to spend time asking themselves what they're going to do to make themselves irreplaceable in today's marketplace, Hmm. not replaceable, irreplaceable. And the way you become irreplaceable is by taking on one product, one skill, one industry and specializing and becoming the best. If you specialize, the market will always pay for you. If you generalize, you will be replaced by everybody. And so the whole reason about the distraction when you're asking me the question about distraction is the moment you're about to get distracted, ask yourself, am I generalizing? Am I specializing? If you're generalizing, snap out of it, go take a cold shower and go back and specialize. Because generalizing <laughs> doesn't make a lot of money. Got it. I love it. <clears throat> what about also you mentioned earlier about uh, being distracted by entertainment. So a lot of people, they want to kick back and watch Netflix. I mean, you've got people like Gary Vee saying, you got to hustle and grind until you're dead. Like... That's not for everybody. I mean, how, how do you how do you balance that? You know, working hard, but at the same time, like letting go and enjoying yourself. I listen. It, it, Gary Gary's stuff is not for everybody. Like you said, Gary's stuff is uh, um, <clears throat> Gary's stuff may be for nobody. On what stuff? Is, but I don't even know if he even believes everything that he's saying. Sometimes, <laughs> right? That's but, funny. But he's a great marketer. He's great at storytelling, and he's kicking ass, and he's yeah. winning. So. He has to double down on on his belief system. And what else should you do? It's Mm. worth. Now, having said that, for me, when it comes down to entertainment, there is a part of what he's saying that I do agree with. Like, I'm not a Netflix guy. Okay, Uh, I am not a uh, I am not a a person who gets too caught up with uh, all the other things that my friends do in the insurance industry. For instance, everybody in the insurance industry golfs. I don't. And I don't want to. And everybody's telling me, Pat, you need to. It'll make you so much more money. I don't need to. You know, I don't need to do golfing. It's not my game. Okay? So I don't golf. I, I, for me, when it comes down to entertainment and all that stuff, I'll, I'll explain it in a different way. And hopefully this will make sense to you. 
I am all about conserving my energy, meaning I don't want to make all the decisions throughout the day. I don't want to be part of every single decision throughout the day. I have to conserve my energy to make the right decisions, the tougher decisions throughout the day. A couple of days ago, we had a very hard day. Two days ago was a very, very difficult day, very, very difficult day because we had to make some very, very difficult decisions. And so the decisions led to some very tough conference calls I had with some CEOs of other companies, and it was not nice conference calls. It was a different Patrick than David, but I had to show up and make sure they knew uh, that they were not performing at the level of my expectation, and they made those adjustments. The following day, we had an incredible day. You know, everything went well. You know, everything was different, but I have to conserve my energy. And so what do I mean by conserve my energy? I have only 15 people's phone numbers that if they call me, I pick up. Only 15. That's it, really. I hope one of them is your wife. Um, she's number one on the list. Oh, but okay. the, <laughs> the point I'm trying to make to you is yeah. I have 15 names that if they call me, I pick up. The only reason I don't pick up is I'm on a podcast. I'm in a, you know, something I'm doing where the phone is, like right now my phone is sitting upside down. Uh, I'm not seeing the text messages I've been getting since I've been with you. I'm giving you to my, my undivided attention. I appreciate but that. I, on top of that, I have a handful of friends, three friends that are my trusted friends. These are friends that will get my attention. These are friends that matter to me. These are friends to me that I will invest in. These are friends to me whose opinion I value, right? Then there are people that I lead, executives. I'm only uh, fully... Uh, answering every call. So again, it's going back to conserving energy. So I, I cut out a lot of my entertainment that wasn't investing into me. Uh, it had to be some kind of entertainment that uh, gave me a rate of return. Now, at the same time, I'll give you the flip side of it. That kind of sounds strange. Mm -hmm. uh, I am having a crazy time and I'm on a flight. I will play backgammon on my phone for 30 minutes on a flight. <laughs> yeah, I'll play really? backgammon on my phone for 30 minutes on a flight because to me, it, it releases uh, stress to me when I'm playing a, a, a backgammon on a, on a flight for 30 minutes. I don't do the Scrabble stuff because that thing is consuming. <laughs> I, don't do video yeah. I don't do Clash of stuff, Clash of whatever Titans. Clash of the Clans. Thing you will on my Clash of uh, uh, Clans. Yeah. I don't do any of that stuff. The only thing I will do is I'll do 30 minutes on a, uh, uh, on a uh, 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 backgammon because that will release my tension. Okay. And then I'll tell you that uh, for me, therapy... Uh, is, a, is watching a movie by myself in the middle of the day and no one knows about it. And I'll do that about once every other month. I'll go to the theater, I'll sit with 80-year-olds, and no one has any clue on that movie. <laughs> really? That's oh, funny. Very therapeutic to me. And right. uh, so, so it all depends. So for me, I, I, I kind of agree with some of the things Gary's saying on the, uh, uh, on the, on the hustle side. Uh, in the Netflix side, I do think you have to hustle. Uh, mm -hmm. But I also think that most people... There has to be uh, a climax. Like, imagine if you had sex and there was no orgasm. What is the purpose of that penetration? Mm -hmm. Like, really, what are you doing it for? There has to be an outcome. There has to be an outcome of sex. The outcome is uh, uh, a massive orgasm, climax. Oh, this was amazing. Great. There has to be an orgasm of me working 80 hours a week for 10 years. What is the orgasm for you? What is it? It can't just be foreplay. There has to be something to it. Well, one, one second, let's, so let's delve into what is that? I mean, you, you say 80 hours a week? 80 hours? It, yes, it depends on... For 10 on years? Well, what, what is it? Why? Why are you doing that? Well, what is the purpose of that? Why is who doing it? Why am you, I doing it? Why would yeah. an average person being do it? Why, why are you doing it? Well, I'm doing it for a whole different reason. 
I'm going to forehold it from reason. You know, for me, life breaks down into four different parts. Let me explain. First 20 years for me is curiosity and mm-hmm. making sure you don't make the big stupid mistakes in the first 20 years. Okay. The next 20 years for me is career, meaning money. You go get your money. And when I say money, I'm talking real money. I'm not talking like, you know, a million dollars in savings. I'm talking you go make some real money and save some real money the next Mm -hmm. 20 years. Then the next 20 years for me, it's creativity. The money you made from your career, you put it into creative. Okay. And what is creative? Whatever creative may be to you. And then the last 20 years is contribution. Could be politics, could be church, could be service, could be community service, could be whatever you want to do. Okay, could be with your grandkids, could be starting a school, could be whatever those things may may be. Mm -hmm. So once I got crystal clear about my vision, this is my vision. This is what I saw very simple. I broke life down into four 20-year runs to make, 2020, 2020. Then from there, I realized the vision I had from what I wanted to do in my 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, I needed a lot of resources. So in my 20s and 30s, I had to work 80 hours a week, every week, to make the kind I wanted to make, to be able to do creatively what I want to do in my uh, 40s and my 50s. So again, when you're asking the question, why would somebody want to work 80 hours a week? It all depends on what you're solving for. You know, why is The Rock keep making movies left and right and he's doing you know, shoe deals and Under Armour deals and right. uh, Titans show. And then next thing, you know, another movie, another movie, another movie, another movie. And he's working out and he's bodybuilding and he had another kid. Why is he doing <laughs> all this stuff? Crazy. He's got a vision. He's got a vision. You look at why Arnold did it. Arnold went from being a bodybuilder to being a Hollywood star to being a businessman, entrepreneur, made a bunch of money. And then all of a sudden governor and now back into the movies. It, it's It has to matter to you and it has to be clear to you. But if it's not, Somebody who uh, doesn't yet have clarity on what they want to do, they'll listen to an 80-hour work week, and they'll say, you're absolutely out of your mind. You have an obsessive personality. You're hypomanic. Mm-hmm. You have ADHD. Maybe you're bipolar. I think you have mental issues. <laughs> and uh, I'm a normal human being. I want to be home every night having dinner. And I'm like, okay, we subscribe to different mindsets. Mm-hmm. But all the best you. Wow. You must have a ton of patience because people don't think of 20 years right now. People think about... I want to make a million dollars in the next two years, three years, you know? I would absolutely agree with you. I, I agree with you. I think for me, the word I, I had to learn this was being aggressively patient, aggressively patient. It's so hard. Cause you're like, you've got so much energy and you want to like, right. It's so difficult. You know, what's the beautiful part about it? I'll tell you what's the beautiful part about it. There is nothing, there is nothing in the world of business or life with seeing progress and growth in things. Man, I mm-hmm. can't even describe it to you. There is nothing like it. You know, like a, a, a guy was asking me about my kids. I am really enjoying my time with my oldest son. I'm really enjoying the conversations. Like this is the first time my son, I, I would lay in bed with him and he would say, I want mommy. Okay. <laughs> This is the first time where he's asking me to lay next to him. And he's not asking me to lay next to him to hug him. He's asking me to lay next to him to talk to me, which to me, I mean, uh, uh, you know, having a great conversation with another human being to me is like ecstasy. It's like being high on drugs. Mm-hmm. And so then we'll start talking about all these things. And, and he said, Dad, what do you think about this? You know, uh, last night he was asking me a question that, 
you, you know the word betrayal? I said, yeah, what about it? You know what betrayal means? I said, tell me what you think it means. And he says, well, here's what betrayal means. I said, where'd you learn this word? Well, we were playing cops game today and the cop betrayed me and he did this to me. I'm like, oh, interesting. So he's asking all these things about me. But uh, uh, for me, the reason why you can be aggressively patient is every time you see a glimpse of growth and progress and improvement, that ought to fill your need to want to go get more of it. So that's why you stay patiently aggressive. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the hope comes from seeing growth. How do you deal with uh, the negative thoughts, the self-doubt, the rejection, the scarcity mindset? Oh, I'm never going to be as big as that guy. Like, there's just no way I'm going to be as amazing. You know, I don't know what they have, but I, I just, I don't have that. I, I'm not going to be able. It's going or, or like for example, I could be having. You know, last month we had the best month I've ever had in my career. I was mm -hmm. absolutely, I couldn't believe it. I came home to my wife. I'm like, I, I don't know what's happening, honey, but you know, the gates of heaven have like opened and there's just, it's just happening. But I've got this fear and I'm not telling anybody else about it, but inside I've got this fear, this ain't going to last. Like it, it's going to shut at some point. It's going to shut. And then, and then it's, and then it's just going to be like, oh man, that was a good ride while it, while it lasted. How do you get over stuff like that in your head? You're not going to, I, I don't think you're going to. And I don't, I think you need to stop trying to get over it. You know, it's kind of like uh, realizing your body has functions. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. you know, how do I get over the fact that, you know, if I uh, uh, stand too long, I feel like I have to go get some sleep. Why do I feel that way? You know, uh, why, why is it that, uh, how do I get over the fact that, you know, if I raise the volume too loud on heavy metal music in my office, I can't stay focused. No, that's, that's called, it's normal. Like, you know, the, 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 the biggest thing, Daniel, and, and what you're saying, I fully know what you're saying, mm -hmm. and I want to take you at a point where I asked the same question you asked, and here's the conclusion I came up with, and I think this will kind of help you out. Okay. It, the moment I realized everybody shares common insecurities, everybody has fears, everybody wakes up hoping they were taller, stronger, more handsome, better skin, nicer nose, nicer eyes, nicer ears, you know, better muscles, bigger muscles, bigger hands, bigger feet, faster, you know, everybody, every man wakes up in the morning. The other day I gave a message to a group of people two weeks ago and I said, uh, I gave them a very weird analogy and the room got awkward, uncomfortable very quickly and everybody started cracking up. I said, we hate to be compared, don't we? Yeah, I hate to be compared. I said, don't we hate being in the shadow of other people? Oh my gosh, I hate it. I said, let's talk about it. I said, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. I said, how many guys are married here? Nobody raises their hand. I said, okay. I said, so imagine the next time you have sex with your spouse. And after you're done doing that, you ask him, how was it? And your partner tells you, well, Joey was better than you. Okay. <laughs> I said, I said, imagine you ask your wife, ask you, so how was it, babe? And you say, oh my gosh, it was good, babe. But I tell you, Mary, shoot, Mary yeah. would hang off the, you know, ceiling. You're in big trouble if you do that. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make to you, Daniel, is the yeah. following point. Then I said, think about it this way. Here's what you got to realize. Think about it this way. Everybody's going to be compared. But the person who decided to be with you has already compared you to their ex. And they've already realized there are more good things with you than your ex. However, please realize this. You are never going to be 100% better than the ex in every area. 
And you got to get over that. Mm-hmm. You're never better than the X and 100% of things. So what does this mean to you, Daniel? You are never going to be 100% better than everybody else in your field. Competitive-wise, you're not going to be. It's just not going to take place. And so for a person in a marketplace, you're sitting, you're worried, like, oh, my gosh, we did this, but we didn't do this. And we did this, but we didn't do it bigger than this person. I'm constantly doing that. With my show, I'm looking at this yeah, guy, I'm saying, oh, he's got more downloads. That. You cannot me. be doing that. You cannot be doing that. And let me explain why you cannot be doing that. You cannot be doing that for a couple of reasons. You cannot be doing that for a couple of reasons. Okay. So, so number one, number one, people have different styles. People have different things that they ask. People have a different set of questions they ask. I'm just listening to you doing the podcast. Okay. Number one, let me compliment you. You ask very good questions. Thank I'm enjoying the podcast. It's not like everybody else. So you're not like every other podcast. And I've done hundreds of podcasts. So you, you, you are asking, you, you're getting this compliment from a guy that gets annoyed when another podcaster asks him, what are the keys to success bullshit type of podcast? <laughs> yeah. You're not doing that. So, but also at the same time, if you, look at the, if you look at the marketplace, at the top, it's a guy named Joe Rogan. Yeah. You know, if you put it at the top, it's another guy named PewDiePie. Okay, if you put it at the top, I mean, you're dealing with Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, it's not like these other business podcasters alone. Right. You know, you got a lot of stuff that you got to go through. And sometimes it's style. You know, some people like to listen to Jimmy Fallon. Some like Jimmy Kimmel. Some like Jay Leno. Some like Letterman. Some like mm-hmm. Johnny Carson. Some like Oprah. Some like, but there's a style. There's music. Some like listening to Sade. Some like heavy metal. Some like hip hop. Some like, uh, you know, R&B. It's what style of music you're going to create. And you're not going to get every audience because not everybody's going to like your style of singing. And that's okay. But the fear aspect of it, I have a very simple way of giving, giving peace to me. My peace of mind comes, I am only competing with you in one area. The only area that I will compare is percentage of growth. Percentage of growth. Mm. Percentage of growth. I want to out-improve. That's what I want to do. Out improve is what gives me the peace of mind and that that I can't control because I want to improve. I want to get better. The area where you can have anxiety at night and you have the right to be afraid at night is when you're long, you're no longer improving. The moment you are no longer improving. Yes, you should be afraid. Yes, you should have anxiety. Yes, you should have panic because you're not improving, which means you're just going to work backwards. But if you're constantly figuring out ways to make yourself better, make your product better, make your company better, make yourself as a human being better, make your parent as a parent better, as a husband better, as a wife better, as a salesperson better, as a CEO better, you're eventually going to be at the top competing with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And eventually, some people are just going to be better than you, Daniel. They just are. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Kobe Bryant is one of the best, but Jordan's better. LeBron's <laughs> better than Kobe. And he gave it. He gave his best with what was given to him, and he still earns the same level of respect as some of the other guys do. So right. that that's why I would process that if I was you. I hear that. Oh, I love that. And and thank you for the compliment. That's a huge compliment coming from you. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I I see you as one of the best interviewers that I've watched, and I've watched a lot of of interviewers. Um, what impresses me as well is how do you get such incredible uh, guests on your show? I mean, you've interviewed uh, you know massive celebrities from big mafia bosses uh, to billionaire founders like Mark Cuban. Um, you've interviewed the co-founder of Apple. You've interviewed sports heroes like Magic. 
Johnson, how do you attract uh, those those types of caliber of guests? You know, it's crazy when you're saying this. I, I interview people that I'm interested in, not not what other people are interested in. I think a lot of times podcasters and people who interview uh, and bring guests on, they bring people that they think other people will be interested in. And that's never effective. It's right. just not. I bring people that I'm interested in because my level of interest in the human being is what's going to draw you in because I'm going to do better research and I'm going to get better questions out of them versus like I interviewed a guy one time. I had my booker uh, and this booker kept booking people. Mm -hmm. And one time I went and I interviewed this astronaut, okay, who lived in space for 340 days. I literally was (laughs) out of my mind. And I'm not even kidding with you. I was bored out of my mind. This guy was on Time Magazine, cover of Time Magazine. (laughs) I had the same thing. It's so funny. He had a meeting meeting with Barack Obama. And if you go online, and you'll know who it is if you go search to see who this person is I sat down with. Uh I was literally bored out of my (laughs) mind. And then when I sat down with him, I just said, you know, you're just not someone I'm interested in. You know, extremely arrogant, you know, thinking you're shit and stink and all this stuff. I'm like, (laughs) Any interviews I do, if they last less than 45 minutes, I don't have any interest in them. Hmm. And this is not a bad thing. There are some people that don't have any interest in me, and I'm okay with that. I'm I'm not trying to be interesting to everybody. I think uh, some of the people I interview are the people that I am so interested in, which made it a great interview. I am interested Hmm. in the wiring of Mark Cuban. I am interested in the wiring of Steve Wozniak. I am interested in the way Jordan Peterson sees and makes decision. I am interested in Jerry Springer. How yeah. does this guy go from being a mayor to a lawyer to a talk show host? Like, how, where is that wiring? I am interested in Kevin Hart. I am interested in, in the crime family. But you're an insurance. They- uh, you're an insurance guy. How do you get? I mean, I understand Tim <laughs> Ferriss, Joe Rogan, right? How do you get these guys coming on your show? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's. it's, it's, it's <laughs> And by the way, we don't pay anybody. That's the one thing you need to know. We don't pay any of our guests. We don't pay right. zero guests. Uh, you will never see a guest say that we paid them. You to fly be- in to see them or they come to you? I'm seeing you usually go to them, right? Yeah, I mean, they'll either come to me. I'll go, like yesterday, Tim Donna, he was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Donna, he had a, you won't know Tim Donna. He was the uh, NBA referee, the famous one, who was uh, uh, betting on the games and eventually went to prison and did time. Oh, it was man. a in the NBA. And, uh, you know, he came in here. Jordan Peterson came in here. You know, mm. the guys from Narcos show on Netflix, Steve Murphy and Javier Pena, uh, and we interviewed them about Pablo Escobar. They're the ones that killed Pablo Escobar. They came in here. So it's half and half. Some came, some come here, some go there. But the key is my entire mindset, my entire career, whether I was a salesperson, a CEO, an investor, no matter what it was, I've always gone to people. And I know a lot of times people wait for people to come to them. Man, if the appointment was six hours away and somebody said no to that appointment, I'm coming to you. So I I, I was the one that's going to wow. go to business and get the money. I think the marketplace is filled with a lot of people that just want to see people come to them. I'm going to go to you. And, who, and was your hardest, who was your hardest guest to get on your show? Who was the hardest guest to get on the show? John McAfee was a pain in the ass to get. Okay. <laughs> uh, John McAfee, the founder of McAfee. Uh, yeah. because he, and the reason why he was hard is because he didn't trust anybody. <laughs> and so when I landed in Tennessee, I was meeting with Arthur Laffer, who was an economist advisor for Arnold, for Reagan, and for a few other presidents. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, McAfee finally gave us the address to where he was at to his house, but it was two hours away from Nashville. And when we went to his house, there was five guys there that were ex-Navy SEALs guys with AK-47. <laughs> wow. And, yeah. So the entire yeah. interview was done with McAfee having a gun in his hand. And it's, no and way. It's yeah. So, you know, <laughs> that was purely out of paranoia. But uh, That's crazy. for the most part, uh, most guests were trying to figure out a time if there is interest then it's scheduling, and then it's just booking. So you could just reach out to someone like Joey Springer, and he's like, yeah, sure, uh, you know, Patrick, I'll come. Uh, you know, you can interview me. At this point, yes, because our YouTube channel has 1.2 right. million subscribers and billion minutes watched. So, you know, there's a big difference between having 10,000 subscribers, 100,000 subscribers, and a million subscribers. I mean, it's not even a... Right. Uh, a, a you, you, the game changes the moment you're dealing with a billion minutes watched. Right. A billion minutes watch is a, is a lot of minutes. And so right. people know that that data comes and then people talk and they typically have relationships with each other and they'll say, right. what do you think of this guy? And, oh, they do <clears> great. <throat> job. And then a lot of guests that have been on our show, it's turned into movies, businesses, ventures, and our audience is entrepreneurs. So they want that audience. So going back to distractions, Patrick, because obviously this is taking up time, right? You're flying in, you're, you're preparing. By the way, how long do you take to prepare for, for an episode? Because you seem to know the person literally inside out, back to front when you're interviewing them. Yeah, I do a lot of research. I do a lot of research. I think nothing is more respectful uh, uh, for a guest than you showing that you've done research because it gets them to sit there and say, holy crap, this guy wow. is not going to let me get away with anything. Yeah. But also same time they sit there and say wow this guy respects my time a lot because he or she has mm-hmm. done the research for the event so uh, uh one is uh, out of respect to the guest and two is i want to be able to do a very good interview and how long does that take roughly what are you spending i mean if you ask my wife she will tell you it's <laughs> night even three hours or four hours and i'm up and i'm just reading 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 mm-hmm. and uh, coming a lot of content to be able to do a good interview so yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a lot of work that I will tell you, it's a lot of work. And then the other part is you remembering the flow of things in your own mind. Like, you yeah. know, sometimes you see the interviews, I don't have notes. It's just stuff that I have in my mind that I want to touch up on nine things. And I don't have a teleprompter. Right. I'm not a teleprompters. I don't have boards that my guys hold in the back. Mm-hmm. I don't have, <laughs> mixed uh, right. so I don't see any of that. There is no like magic tricks that what we're doing. It's just remembering uh, whom I'm interviewing and what topics I want to hit. And sometimes I miss a few topics, but I typically get the ones that I want to get through. So if you're doing all this, you're spending so much time going back to distractions, why would you not be focusing on your business? Uh, why would you be spending so much time in building this, this valuetainment hobby? It, and that's a great question because in America, I came to a conclusion, not in America, just in the world nowadays. Yeah. I came to a conclusion that today, um, back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, when you were building a company, you were building one brand, and that's the company. Yeah. But today, we're all naked. Everybody wants to know what the CEO stands for. Everybody wants mm-hmm. to know what the founder stands for. Everybody yeah. wants to know, you know, what is the personality behind this company? Tell me about the brand. Tell me about the story. Tell me about the fingerprints behind this company. And the moment I realized that, and I saw how Barack Obama got elected to president because he understood social media, and then Trump yeah. became president because he understood Twitter, you have to control the narrative today. So what Valuetainment allows me to do is I am now controlling the narrative, which means if anybody wants to know anything about the company or what I do, 
Let me see who the CEO is. Oh, wow. I had no idea that's this guy. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I like him. Interesting. I like the stuff he stands for. I can't stand him. I can't believe he just did that interview. What an idiot. <laughs> I would never do business with somebody like this. But either way, the people that do agree and like become true believers. So they don't just do business with me once. They do business with me 5, 10, 15, 20 different times. So mm -hmm. uh, it, is, it has brought a completely different element to the game. So for someone listening to this that's that's uh, you know just starting out or they've got a small business you know for them to start investing in the personal brand in putting out content it, it could be a real distraction in a way right but on the other hand you like you just said people buy from people so you want to be investing in your brand and again you you know people watching Gary V you, know, you got to document everything and put yourself out there I find myself, Patrick, for example, a lot of times I'm really tempted to create content, but then I tell myself, you know, I could be closing more deals for my business right now instead of creating content, and I'm being pulled in two different directions. I think you need to manage expectations with yourself because some guys are creating way too much content, and I don't think that's good. Mm -hmm. I don't think too much content is good. Look, uh, how many tracks does a typical artist when they when they come out with an album, how many tracks typically on an album? Oh, dude, I'm I'm not in the music. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, what's your twelve? You at all? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, twelve. Yeah, right. Say twelve to fifteen. Have yeah. you ever seen an album with a hundred songs on there? No. no. And how many times does an artist come out with a new album? Once a year, right. maybe. Yeah, that's the point. I mean, it's not like so. So, so the point I'm trying to make to you is you don't need to create a track every day. You don't. I started off once a week. And by the way, even prior to that, I wrote one blog a month because I didn't believe in this stuff. I'm like, there's no way in the freaking world this stuff works. But you know mm -hmm. what? I'll write a blog a week. So let me tell you what happened. Yeah. I'm going to give the weirdest story I've never told. And I got a handful of minutes here, but I think this is, I've never yeah. shared this story, but I think this will be a story that will resonate with some of the audience that hasn't yet started creating content. So do you remember the movie Limitless with Bradley Cooper? Yeah, yeah, I love it. What year did it actually come out? I'm actually curious right now when this movie came out. I'm oh. going to search. I'm taking out my phone because I'm let's curious. See who find, let's see who finds it first. That, I'm, it's probably going to be you. Okay. Oh, 2011, when did March. Limitless come out? Oh, God. Okay. March, wow. March, March 8th, 20th. <laughs> this is a very interesting exercise. Right. How long ago is that? That's eight years ago. Okay. So eight years ago, nine years ago, I started writing one blog a month. That's all mm -hmm. I did. I was making videos. I wasn't doing anything. I wrote a blog a month. And when Limitless came out, that night I wrote an article, and the title was, Did Einstein Use NZT? Mm. Okay? That was the title. I went to sleep. I woke up in the morning. The article is being featured all over the place, and I'm getting messages after messages after messages on Facebook, people telling me if I know where to find NZT. <laughs> what do you mean can I find NZT? They say, I have to buy NZT from you. I said, what are you talking about? Then I realized I went on my blog, and my website was so much traffic to it because everybody around the world who watched the movie searched the same thing, where can I buy it? And NCT truck, okay? So from there, I said, oh, my gosh, this one article got this much exposure? This makes no sense to me. Then I started writing blogs once every other week. Then I started writing a blog a week. Then I said, I'm going to try video. And then the video turned into what it is. 
And even today, I don't do videos every day. I do videos, uh, three uh, videos a week or something like that, three or four videos a week. But this is at a point where I'm at 1.2 million subs and a billion minutes watched. Somebody listening to this, look, you either write, you speak, or you shoot a video. If you have a, a, a writing ability, start with writing. If your ability is to speak, start with a podcast once a week. If you are okay with the camera, you don't get nervous, do a video, do one video a month, do one video a week. But the point is, you do that for 12 months. 12 months later, you're going to see some trends on what things you need to adjust and add another thing to it. I am not part of this community of every day over flooding the internet with so many different videos, et cetera, et cetera. You don't need to be doing that. Uh, 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 you need to make sure you're producing some decent content and you're consistent, but you do need to start. Anybody that doesn't start is going to be left behind in a marketplace like today. Mm-hmm. Patrick, I'm mindful of the time and I really respect your time. So we're going to wrap it up. Um, but before we go, you've got a, uh, a Vault conference coming up. Uh, can you share the details with the audience? Yes, absolutely. So look, for a long time, a lot of people have been asking me questions saying, Pat, we love your content. We love the videos you're creating, uh, whether it's you know entrepreneurship, raising money, hiring, firing people, scaling business, sales processes, compensation structure. But we need a live conference. And I've never done one. I've never, ever done a live conference that's public. It's always been private. It's always been for my sales force, for what I've done with my businesses that I've ran. So finally, I said, if we cross a million subscribers, I'm going to do my first live conference. Well, we crossed it, and I announced it. And the first <laughs> live conference I'm hosting May 1st to May 4th in Dallas, Texas. It'll be three days long. Uh, we have five packages of ticketing. It goes from uh, general uh, to all the way up to CEO package. CEO is only 25 seats. That one's already sold out. It took six days for that to sell out. Wow. The founder package was 75 seats. That's fully sold out and fully overcommitted. But the other three are already available. If you go on the website right now, valuetainment.com, you will notice two of these tickets have a fully sold out, but the other three are available. I want to cover the following things on those three days. One, uh, everybody ha has to know, like for me, when you look at a chess master, they know when they're playing you their next 15 to 20 moves. That's what a chess master is known. Yep. They'll typically, if you know your next 15 to 20 moves, you're a chess master. Everybody else is like, I know two to three moves, maybe five. But the chess masters know 15 to 20 moves. Most people in the world of business, they don't know what their next moves are at the stage they're currently at. Day one is for us to identify your next moves that you need to be making no matter what phase you're at. That's day number one. Number two is the systems, protocols, and procedures that I run myself with how I study data, trends, numbers. Uh, what ways we do to take our guys to scale during good and bad times. I think a lot of times people know how to scale when the market is good. And many times people have no clue how to scale when the market is bad. Day two is going to be that. And then number three is going to be about startup, running your business, growing your business, hiring, firing, team building, leadership building, what you do on day three. So that's going to be the three-day conference in Dallas, May 1st to May 4th. So if somebody's a startup, an executive, a C-suite, uh, we already have people register from 36 different countries. We have people register from, you know, Pakistan, from uh, Omen, from Saudi Arabia, from Dubai, from Israel, from Brazil, from China, wow. from from all over the world. And uh, it'll be the first one. It'll be in Dallas. And I'm hosting. And it's not one of these conferences you go to where everybody from stage is selling their packages. No, this is purely value-based for three mm -hmm. days. And that's in Dallas. Again, that's valuetainment.com. Uh, that'll be in the show notes as well. Patrick, this has been absolutely uh, a pleasure and honor. I could speak to you for hours, honestly. Um, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. And thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. 
You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.